1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders.
2: Good morning. I am James Ham. You're listening to the Insiders here on ESPN 1320. Joining me today, Kyle has decided to go on vacation yet again. Kyle takes a lot of vacations. I'm finding, um, but in honor of him, I wore plaid, uh, and I've brought in Jesse Tapia to hang out with me. What's going on, Jesse? What's up, James? Coming off the bench today. Coming off the bench. This is we like to call these weeks James and Friends. Like this whole week is going to be a little different. Uh, we got Jerry Reynolds coming this, in this week. We've and then we've got more friends coming in this week. But today, uh, Jesse, we got so much to talk about because we had one of the most spectacular weekends of NFL football that I can remember.
3: This is one of those weekends like you send out, you're sitting there as a sports fan, you send out a like kind of a cheesy tweet, you know, like, oh, this is why we love football because of things like this. Yeah, all those games, all of them were fire this weekend.
2: Yeah, I-, I wanted to send out one of those tweets, but then I'm like, you know what? They're all they it's everywhere, and I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy it and enjoy the fact that the Kings had a three-day break and it it opened this window for us to actually just take it in, just take in uh, what ended up being an incredible game for the San Francisco 49ers. We've got this Chiefs and Bills spectacular finish to a weekend, just absolutely wonderful football. The the Lions and Bucks was uh, like off the charts. Ravens, man, Jesse, the Ravens are a problem, aren't
3: they? Yeah, they're a problem, and they're— they, they, they might be on their own tier right now, you could say it, I think. That defense, because I think going into the game against the Texans, I thought, I thought they'd make C.J. Stroud kind of look how he did. I mean, because you have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in the middle. They're inside linebackers, and those guys just dictate the whole game as far as their defense goes. They're just dominant right now.
2: Yeah, it's funny. You had people say, oh, well, they don't have like an all-name defense. It's not like they've got like the Ray Lewis's of old. Man, Roquan Smith this is incredible.
3: Yeah, it was either the Bears are going to give him this massive extension, or hey, we're going to trade you for these first-round picks. So yeah, he's not just no no a no-name guy. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think if you look at their linebacking core, the only one that's even remotely close in the league, I, I think, is the Forty ers which I think is better. Like the Forty ers linebacking core of Fred Warner, and you know, it's just it's just incredible, right? Uh, so so for me, watching that, it's like building up to this. Almost like an inevitable, but I don't know that it is because the 49ers just aren't playing that well. Uh, they did squeak through, but I don't think it was like an A, an A game.
3: No, it was not. We there's some, there's some questions to be to be asked and there's some answers to be discussed because yeah, they did not look good at all yesterday. Um, Sunday,
2: yeah. So Jesse, Jesse, when you're watching um, Dre Greenlaw, not on one but on two, on both of his interceptions, were you with everybody else in America? It was, like, screaming for him to, like, get
3: down. I was not screaming, but I could hear everyone else in America. Hearing, I could hear them screaming for him to get down. Because <laughs> you could just tell, like, he's going up, and he's just kind of, like, just zigging and zagging, and you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, what are you doing? No, because it, all it takes is one receiver come from, from back or anyone coming from behind and knocking that ball out. So you are just kind of watching, like, go down, go down, go down, go down. He's just not.
2: And he kept, he kept just, like, every time he went to make a move, he starts out. I mean, he wasn't fully carrying it like a loaf
3: of bread. But it was close. He carries the ball like you'd expect a defensive player to carry.
2: Yeah, the whole time, I mean, I, I think, like, it, unless you're you're someone who was pulling for
3: the opposition, you're like, no, no, go, stay up. Come on, get the ball. Somebody get the ball. Yeah, if you're rooting for the opposition, maybe you're hoping, hey, maybe pitch it back and do some whatever, try to score a touchdown or whatever, but yeah.
2: Yeah, but it was, like, borderline insanity, like, the whole time. And then he just kept going. At one point, they, like, panned through. Someone, like, with their hat got in the way, and you're like, oh, did he go down? And then no, there he goes. He's at the other side. You're like, what is happening? The camera loses him. Like, I don't think I've I've seen anything so stressful. I thought, uh, like, Kittle after the game was spectacular. Like, he's, just, what are we doing here? Like, like everybody, everybody knows. Like, like we almost run out on the field and tackle the guy at at some point. Just, just
3: go down, man. Just go down. Can you imagine George Kittle coming off the sidelines and he just lays out Dre Greenlaw. He's
2: down now. He's yeah, I'll take the fifteen.
3: I'll take the fifteen
2: because it comes with. Us getting the ball and not having to worry about it. Um, Christian McCaffrey. uh, We talked about this before we jumped on the show. I wanted more McCaffrey, but every time you saw him, like he is a legitimate MVP candidate. That's what you saw the whole time. There's like a tier. We always talk about the tiers of quarterbacks. There is one tier above the rest when it comes to running backs this season and is Christian McCaffrey, and I thought he was absolutely spectacular.
3: Honestly, Christian McCaffrey is on that tier in the NFL where he's just one of the best football players in the league right now, if not the best, as far as what he can do on the field. But yeah, he was he was doing his thing on um, Saturday. Kyle Shanahan kind of made it a little bit weird with the with the way he was calling the game, but we'll talk more about that.
2: Yeah, do you think that at, at a certain point that Shanahan
3: like just just trust in the in your guy? Right? Yeah, there's a point with these um new age coaches like Kyle Shanahan, the Lafleurs, the Mike McDaniel's where like they're the geniuses. They have all these like gadgets, like all these new things, the wrinkles they like to run and. There's also times where I like to say, like, football is not that difficult. Hand the ball off to your running back that's getting six yards of carry, and we'll just play regular old-school football.
2: Yeah, just go run behind the Hall of Fame left tackle. Just go get as many yards as you can each down. Slow the game down a little bit. Uh, overall, like, I, I thought that the game plan was okay. I thought Shanahan was a little bit limited once Debo went down, and that's always sort of his his, like, ace up the sleeve. And when you take that player away... It really does, like, sort of pare down his offense. And for a little while, I thought they had a tough time adjusting, which I'm not sure why, because Debo leaves games early a lot, and he gets hurt, and he misses games quite a bit. You should have, like, a plan B. And I thought Juwan Jennings did a great job as a wide receiver, and more than that, as a blocker. I thought one of the highlights of the week was watching Juwan Jennings like, take a DB and, and not only, like, run him off the field, but, like, took him all the way to the Gatorade yeah, table. Yeah,
3: he, he put him back in the stands. He turned him into a fan at that point. Yeah, that was wild, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, that's honestly something you see in the movies or whatever. I think it's, like, you call it the blind blindside. I don't know if we like this movie anymore because of everything that came from it, but just kind of he's blocking <laughs> the guy, and he blocks him over the sidelines and all that. That's kind of what it was.
2: Yeah, I think that might have happened in the Waterboy, too. We'll stick with that. Yeah, shout-out Bobby Boucher. Yeah, that's right, Bobby Boucher. Uh, yeah, so I thought that there were plenty of moments here where players stepped up. Where the 49ers look like a legitimate contender, but you made a point as we were as we were prepping. Did the Niners look like the weakest of the four? Did was their path to to where they are
3: today? Do they just look like they're a little off still? I, I think so. I mean, because you kind of can tie it back to, I mean, because they have the bye, of course, in between um, with the wild card round. But, I mean, since Baltimore, they haven't looked great. Week 18 was you played your start or your um, bench half the game or whatnot. But, like, since the Baltimore game, they haven't really played 49ers football, I guess you could say. Okay.
2: Yeah, and I buy that. I mean, like, look, some of these teams, like, they, they truly, like, watching Patrick Mahomes bring – Bring uh, the Chiefs back against the Bills and sort of this back and forth affair where they were truly tested. I I thought that Josh Allen was tremendous, Um, you know, not only running the ball, but throwing the ball. I thought it was funny. It's almost like we had, what is that, the Freaky Friday or whatever, where they switch, you know, and and it felt like... All of a sudden, the Bills receivers, like, had watched too much game film of Chiefs wide receivers dropping everything. Yeah, it's like um, Kadarius Tony's powers went to the Bills receivers. Yeah, yeah, it, like the Corsican brothers, which is way, way
3: before your time. You're going to but... have to teach me about the Corskin brothers, I guess.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, it's Cheech and Chong. Yep. Oh, I know Cheech Chong. Yeah, well, it's Cheech Chong, but one brother, like, hits himself in the head and the other brother feels it. Oh, I got you, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, f- so for me, like... It looked a little bit like that. We saw some some really good wide receivers just flat out drop the ball, and then for some reason it looked like Valdez Gantling figured out how to be a wide receiver again. That uh, Rushy Rice is becoming like that guy for that team, and then Travis Kelsey was much much better after having a couple of weeks of uh, of weird drops and stuff like that. Um, but but that I thought was a tremendous game, and it sets the Chiefs up to really be sort of their. They're mentally, I think, in the driver's seat. They're the team that you can't get through. That everybody has a losing record against. That you know Patrick Mahomes is just this guy that it doesn't matter who it is, he seems to find a way to beat you. And sure enough, he found a way to beat the Bills. I feel bad for Bills fans, man. They're
3: uh, like it's a dark day, right? Yeah, I mean, you feel as bad as I guess you can. You can feel for them, you know. <laughs> you are a dolphin. Yeah, stack. you feel as bad as you can. I mean, ah, <laughs> oh, that shucks. That's tough. Sorry to Bills fans. You guys, yeah, maybe next year, but I mean, yeah, I'm excited for them. I'm gl- like yesterday's game the Chiefs and the Bills. That was pretty much what we all wanted, what you all expected, what we all expected between the two. Yeah. And it, I think the the Chiefs, they've been the Bills boogeyman, but going up against the Ravens next week. I mean, that's kind of the team. They haven't faced much um faced off much in the playoffs, but regular season the Ravens have had their number a bit.
2: Okay. Um I do like that the Chiefs defense is playing at just an all-time high like they are really really good right now and you know I I think if you're gonna it's interesting because there's no way to prep for Josh Allen and there's no way to but I think if you are going to prep for Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen playing those two on back to back weeks is probably the way to do it because they they do run the ball a bunch as quarterbacks and you've got to like stay in your lane you've got to Make sure you're not getting. You've got to have. A, well, yeah, you're gonna a have that. Yeah,
3: spy. Yeah. Someone watch him, like you said. Patrick Queen mentioned him earlier. Roquan Smith. Someone's gonna have to watch um, Lamar or um, the opposite side for the Chiefs. I mean, um, yeah, someone's gonna have to watch Lamar next week.
2: Yeah, they're gonna have to watch Lamar. But then you know, Mahomes is a guy who who gets out and runs a little bit here and there, and it's co- sort of the sneaky thing. Then you go to the NFC, and it's like. Two guys that aren't going to run at all. I yeah, mean, you don't have
3: to worry. You don't have to set no spies for those guys.
2: No, no, no. Brock Purdy might take off once or twice in a game, but uh, Jared Goff is not going to do that. Like, he has an aversion to
3: that. Yeah, he's kind of the pain manning. Oh, they're here. I'm just going to lay down and take the sack.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to take the sack. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, if you really you look at what's coming for the 49ers, um, you know, that Lions team is, is really good. Uh, they feel... Like, I don't think they're a team of destiny as much as they are like, like the Rudy story. You know, they're like the little engine that could, that keeps going. And I know they're a better team than that, but that's what they feel like because it's been so long since they've been in this position. Uh, yeah, I think they kind they,
3: of got that Detroit stink on them still. Just kind of like, like, <laughs> we'll call it, we'll call it what it is. Detroit stink, like, kind of like, yeah, like you guys are playing well, but uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> but you're the Lions. Yeah. You're the Lions.
2: I, I think it's if in Sacramento, like it's kind of the same thing with the Kings. Yeah, like you're in the playoffs,
3: but well, we saw it exactly last year. There were the three, and people were like, uh, uh, yeah, but
2: come on, really? Yes, exactly, exactly. So I think that uh, the Lions have a lot to prove. Their running game, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, I think that should be scaring uh, every 49ers fan out there. I think they've got really good wide receivers, and their tight ends are coming along. And then, did you see they signed, I think, Zach Ertz today? Yeah,
3: I signed him today. So he, um, he'll he be able to play on Sunday if he's ready to go. Isn't that crazy?
2: Hey, I, I think I'm going to go sign with a team uh, to play in the NFC Championship game.
3: Well, that was kind of the story turning to the 49ers, I think, I'm um, going into the Super Bowl, I think, if they would have won that Eagles game. I think it wasn't that they were going to sign Philip Rivers or had like a plan to possibly sign him for the Super Bowl. They probably should have signed Philip Rivers a week before. Yeah, he might have been better than Josh Johnson. I'm
2: j- just saying. Yeah, I mean, they, you may have had a better shot at winning... Uh, other than Josh Johnson. So the NFC Champions game, uh, championship game is set for next Sunday. We got Niners Alliance. Uh, no, Lions at Niners. Uh, the AFC championship game is set as well. We have Ravens Chiefs that will be played in Baltimore. We got a lot more to talk about. Uh, we're going to dive into some of our biggest takeaways from the, the Niners game this weekend. Uh, I am James Ham. he is Jesse Tapia, you're listening to The Insiders on ESPN 1320, brought to you by Jiffy Loop.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Welcome back into the Insiders. I am James. Jesse is filling in for Kyle today. Kyle is out all week. He's in the tropics. This is twice he's gone to the tropics since we've... Had this show running since September. Um, I think Kyle likes the tropics. Uh, me, not so much. Jesse, what is the tropics? Just like Hawaii or something? He's in Hawaii this time. That last time, I think he was in the Florida Keys. He's a he's a big he's a big he's a big water guy,
3: I guess. Huh? Yeah, like sandy beaches. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much what you go for with vacations. And I guess like people do. pick Do people vacation to the snow? Like I know West Californians, like we'll go drive up to the snow for like a day or something like that. Do people like? Oh, I want to go to the snow. Let's go to a vacation like in the snow.
2: Yeah, they do, but. I don't think we do yeah. like here. No, no. Like I, you know, there are people who go to like Vail, Colorado and stuff. But like if you live here, you just, oh, I'll just drive up the hill. I mean, for me, it's like 45 minutes to an hour to get to, you know. The oh, yeah, you're stores. right there then? Yeah, I'm right there. If I want to go up, I, I don't. But if I wanted to or if I want to go see Tahoe, it's like right there. Um. Yeah, but I, I like to go. I, I don't love tropical vacations unless it's straight up all inclusive I'm sitting there drinking and hanging out and doing nothing all week. I've I've been on a trip once where it was like all inclusive. We went to Mexico. I think it was like Cancun.
3: That is just you have to do that if you can at least try and do it once because you're just no worries, just all vibes, just chilling the whole time.
2: Yeah, just chilling. Easy. You know, you just like hanging out uh, at the pool. You just keep ordering food. It's not good for a diet. Uh, you oh mean, no, it's just anything you were working on just out the window that week. Yeah, you're drinking a ton and all that stuff. You know, you can go dip in the in the water a little bit here and there, but more likely the pool. Um, I don't love those vacations. I love, like, you know, true, like, adventure, like, what, like, we took our boys to Europe right before the pandemic, Um, you know, Costa Rica, Belize, like, but those aren't, like, more tropical, like, where you're doing, like, ziplining and going through forests and stuff.
3: I don't know. I, I just burn too bad, Jesse. See, I'm I'm the, I'm. I'm not a big vacation guy. We'll go like for a week long vacation. I realized because a couple years ago, we went to Miami to we'll go catch a Dolphins game. We were there. We were there for a few days. And on the okay. third day, we catch the Dolphins game. We're there for a couple days after that. I'm kind of like, all right, I think it's time to go home. I'm my I'm homebody. Okay. I, I like a good nine day vacation.
2: Like, I like to book in the weekends because it always, if you go far enough, it, it usually takes you a day to acclimate with travel. And then your last day, you're worried about the day of travel back. And so I like having as many days in the middle as possible. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, let's get to our biggest takeaways. Jeff. Uh, this was a very very entertaining, tight, like close ball game. Uh, and and to be honest, I think the, the Niners and many were were lucky to escape with a win. Um, it's kind of what we I, I did not expect this. I don't think the Packers fully expected to be in the game like that. And so I think that's where I would start. Like, the expectations of that game, were you caught off guard
3: by Rusty, the the Niners looked? Yeah, completely. Because, I mean, you go into the game, I think we all thought the Niners were, what, nine-and-a-half point favorites going into the game. You expect, oh, yeah, Niners are going to, like, Green Bay did what they did against Dallas, but come on, it's Dallas. It's what they do in the playoffs. So you kind of take that with a grain of salt, although Jordan Love hasn't been playing well. But you're just kind of going into it expecting, all right, Niners are going to handle their business. they got a week off. Like, defense will take care of business. Get the ball to CMC. Brock's been looking good, but no, it's... You turn it around, The Green Bay was probably the better team for that game for about 53 minutes.
2: No, I, I thought they were too. They, they
3: honestly, the game shouldn't have been as close as it was at the end either. Green Bay did not take care of opportunities in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we would start. Like, Brock Purdy had two, like, full-blown picks that he threw and was lucky enough not to have those go the opposite way. Yeah, too. Darnell
3: Savage dropped that one where it could have been a pick six, it looked like. He was just ready to go. If he catches it, he just, boom, to the
2: end zone. Exactly. And I think that the 49ers capitalized on the mistakes by Love. Uh, Love, I, I did think he had a better game for the most part over Purdy, but in the end, that doesn't it doesn't really look like that at all. And while you might have been shaken a little bit by what was going on with Purdy, I think he he may have figured some things out, so I think that that's a major positive for the 49ers. Uh, there's something that um, I've brought up since like early in the season. Whatever happened with Nick Bosa and the holdout, I, I don't think he ever truly found himself this season. He's had moments. He's pressured. He's, he's had some you know some tackles behind for losses and stuff like that, but he's not the dominant pass rusher that he was last season. You know, he broke 10 sacks, but realistically, he he was healthy almost the entire season. And in this game, uh, zero sacks and only six quarterback hits. Do you think the defensive line, which is like they've poured so much money into that defensive line, it's like on paper, it should be the greatest defensive line we've seen? Uh, well, certainly in San Francisco for the last decade or two. But yeah,
3: you'd expect it to be more dominant. I mean, you went out and got Chase. That's why you got Chase Young, right? Yeah. To just add to the dom, um, to add to what it was already. Because it's not like they had a talent issue going on going during the season. No. You have all the names you need there. It's just a matter of you haven't gotten the production, I guess, you want from those guys.
2: What is it do you think that's missing? I, I mean, they even have, like Randy Gregory, Like they have so many bodies that can put pressure on a quarterback. But it doesn't feel like there is all that much pressure. And and then coming into this week, you've got to pressure Goff. If you don't pressure Goff, he will pick you apart. If you do, he can make some mistakes. But this is a... like it keeps getting more and more difficult as you go along. And if this team, this group isn't ready, I just don't know how the Niners can, you know,
3: your linebacking
2: core can only do so much.
3: Yeah. When you've got the talent, like on the defensive line, you kind of, I guess, have to, Look towards Stevie Wilkes. Is he scheming him up good enough to get him into positions where, okay, Nick Bosa, because he's getting double, triple teamed all the time. Can I get him scheme him up to where maybe I can have him run a stunt? He's running through the middle of the um, off, um, offensive line and get into the quarterback that way. Like Maybe scheme him up a little bit better because, like you said, they have all the talent in the world right there, so it's not just a matter of, all oh, these guys forgot how to get to the quarterback this season.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say scheme him up. I wonder if uh, he's just not seeing it because he's not in the booth.
3: Didn't he, didn't he take a, a trip down to the sidelines? <laughs> yes. He's in the, the sideline. he's on the sideline, yeah, now. maybe maybe go back up to the booth. Yeah, yeah, let's go let's just keep moving him back and forth. Well you mentioned too with the holdout stuff, like I think like now it's just the point where they just need Nick Bosa to um, uh, produce like there's no more um, excuses anymore, but looking at the he held out all the training camp. you're still trying to get going week one. He didn't have the training camp. He wasn't ready to go, and by the time you're ready to go, rest of the NFL, they're just um, they're just um, in full flow. They're not trying to warm up like you are and all that. So you're still trying to catch up the entire way.
2: Yeah, I think so, but at this point, I mean, we're so deep in that, like... Yeah, like I
3: said, there's just no excuses right now, though. Yeah, where are you?
2: And, like, look, he has not been good in the playoffs over the last couple of years. He has not got to the quarterback in the playoffs. There there has to come a point where he becomes that dominant closer guy that, that the, the 49ers need. And, like, and if not him, like, he does draw such a crowd. Where are these other guys? Chase
3: Young, we traded for you. Are you going to do something,
2: or...? Yeah, like even like Armstead and and Hardgrove, like where are the guys? Hardgrove, like where are you? Like the at some point, you do have to step up and, and be part of what's happening. We are seeing right now that uh, Lions guard Jonah Jackson underwent surgery for a slight meniscus tear, and he's expected to miss miss the NFC Championship game. Uh, that's big. Uh, so maybe that's how. Maybe you have uh, some some weakness on the Lions' offensive line. Uh, Jesse, uh, uh, Ambry Thomas had just a horrific game.
3: Yeah, it was not. It was not great for him. I mean, you look at him yesterday. There was a lot of times I was watching the game and the guys he's covering. He's not even within ten yards.
2: Yeah, and and even when he was, I think it was like the penalties and everything else. Like I just think he had like a nightmare game, but he got it out of the way, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he did play like the worst he could possibly play. And that will motivate him to be something different in the next game. Yeah,
3: because it's not like he's been horrible all season long. Like you had a bad game, clean it up um, for the NFC Championship game, and we'll just all forget about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do think that there's a possibility that it was just an aberration, that he just had like a a game. You hope he he doesn't have something like the hips or something, where all of a sudden it's it's a problem that carries over from one game to the next. But uh, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do some major work. Um, linebacking core in this game for me was absolutely incredible. Again, uh, Dre Greenlaw has that crazy pick, which, um, a friend of the show, Nick, Nick Wagner, he, he posted this video where it tracks Greenlaw's motion on the final pick. And he like made this big wide, like C out to the, out to the outside to make sure that, uh, the running back coming in the, out of the backfield, he was on that guy then he loops back around, and then he dives and makes this incredible interception, right? Which was a horrible throw by Love. Like again, Purdy made some bad throws. Love's made worse throws um, at some point. And we see, you know, uh dreamlaw and and it just like if you track, he it continues to track his path. So he goes on this giant C. Then he loops a bit around and makes it an S. And then he's he's flying all over the place. People are trying to. Like, strip the ball from him. They don't care about tackling him at this point. Uh, he won't get behind this, like, gigantic line that's pushing forward. Um, but I don't think it takes away from, like, the greatness of him. And sometimes that's who that guy is.
3: Yeah, it's just, it's just we'll tied it to the NBA or whatever. You just let your shooters shoot. You let your guys just go out there and play ball, all right? And you do the same in the NFL. Let Dre Greenlaw go out there and play ball. Like, obviously, yeah, go down, go down. But it's just, like, what more do you, what more do you want?
2: Yeah, I mean, if I I would have like if I'm one of the the coaches or one of the players, I would have thought of like tripping him, or if I'm one of his teammates, I might have just like hugged him and taken him to the
3: ground. Yeah, maybe if you're the safety on the 49ers, go play a little safety right here and go get that guy down.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think there's even a thing where you could see Fred Warner kept going back deeper, like to make sure that something stupid didn't happen. Um, but like for that was crazy. Like I, I think that that was the most nervous moment. In the NFL this season where you're watching a guy, and and he did it twice. It's not like, and I know Kittle talked about it like, well, maybe we'll learn from this. I don't think he learned from it because he did it again.
3: Yeah, no, which is this is what Drake Greenlove does, right? If he he gets the ball, just know he's not going down for any amount of time, no matter what the situation is in the game. That's
2: right. Just pave a freeway, but it's got to be like a crooked because he's not going straight. He's not going straight for the end zone. He's not even looking. He's just like looking to make moves. He thinks he's Barry Sanders out there, which is nice. Uh, Kittle made some nice plays. Uh, he also had a, a bad drop on a crucial moment. Um,
3: when he had that drop it was just one of those things where you kind of watch it's like oh maybe the 49ers just don't have it today because they you're just looking at your key guys who just aren't in it. I, I agree it was one of those moments where you start to have a little bit of pressure
2: like building up and you see it and then to have one of your your stalwarts like drop the ball you're like uh. you know it's one of those moments where things are getting a little dicey. Um, and then I thought I thought Juwan Jennings stepped in and um, was absolutely phenomenal for a, a, a second-slash-third wide receiver with Debo out of the game.
3: I mean, made the play of the game from arguably, you can say, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. The catch was amazing. His blocking was spectacular. I, I just thought he was very, very engaged. And I, I always think that of him. I always think he's a much better player than he's allowed to be on the 49ers, which is just kind of a shame. Um, all right. Well, we're going to step away. When we come back, um, we're going to jump into uh, the Brock Purdy situation and sort of the game that Brock Purdy had, and whether this was a a growing up like a coming of age story. On
0: ESPN thirteen twenty.
2: Welcome back to the Insiders. I am James Ham. Joining me, Jesse Tapia filling in for Kyle Madsen today. We're brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Uh, Jesse, I think we've all been waiting for this moment for Brock Purdy to... I, I don't even know if it's to come up with the big play in the big moment as much as it is for him to be in the big moment. It's so rare that the 49ers are in a super close game where you need a quarterback to kind of step up and do something. Which I think is, you know, I don't know if you saw if you saw that the Niners were 0 and 30. Now that was a fun uh, stat going around yesterday. Yeah, I think it was going, yeah, it was going around everywhere like crazy, right? They're O for 30, wind trailing by seven, going into the fourth quarter during the Kyle Shanahan era. Now, I think it probably like opens up a larger discussion about Brock Purdy not being in that situation because his coach is not usually in that situation. And, you know, part of being a quarterback is that there's a symbiotic relationship with your head coach, right? You've got to be on the same page. And if your coach, for some reason, has a track record, a proven track record of not being able to come through in the fourth quarter, why would this be a Brock Purdy issue? And, you know, as much as it is a Kyle Shanahan issue, right? Right. And maybe it's because he hasn't had quarterbacks who could put him over the hump. Maybe it's because he doesn't scheme well enough to get through that fourth quarter. Maybe he makes mistakes as a coach. Either way, I think it's an interesting stat. And to see Brock Purdy find his way through that minefield and improve the 49ers, they are now 1-30 and after uh, trailing by 7 or more in the fourth quarter. I think it's actually a pretty big deal.
3: It, it See, it, it It is, but for me, like, it also it not in a way, too, just because, like, I mean, they were they were coming from behind just because Brock wasn't playing well. Like, I feel like yesterday it was a matter of, it was, like, two extremes. Either Brock Purdy is like, oh, yes, like, he he's their guy. He can, like, bring him back. Like, he's, I think he's done it or whatever. You kind of look on the other side. It's like, oh, yeah, he didn't play well, but he did, like, um, turn it up when he needed to. I just, I don't know. There's more. I'm not putting as much stock into it, I think. Like Brock Purdy did play himself out of a hole yesterday, if that makes sense. It was probably the second or couple, like one of the first few times in the game where he actually did play play all right. You know? Okay. So overall, your your opinion was he wasn't great the whole game.
2: I thought I'm, I, I'm not
3: coming. Away, I'm not coming out of that game like blown away. Like like the 49ers, not blown away, but like the 49ers, like they have like like this guy who can like bring him from behind and all that. Like, you know? Like you, I need to see more if anything.
2: No, I get you. I get you. I think it's a good starting place, though. And to have the success and to win it is a big deal. And of course, we could talk about field goal kickers and and whether that you know how much that played into this. But at the same time, both of them missed a field goal. Uh, for me, it was a young quarterback who, in the moment, didn't crumble. And to be honest, Jordan Love crumbled. Like he's the guy who threw the two picks. And Brock Purdy should have had two picks, but. You know, shoulda, coulda, would us I mean, he also could have had more completions and more yardage if, you know, Kittle doesn't drop that ball or if a couple other plays go his way. I thought in this game, strangely enough, um, I, I like that Brock very seldom checks down, that he's always looking at not the first level, the check down. He's not even looking at the second level. It's usually he's looking at the third level, right? And that's where you start seeing these long drag plays. You start seeing these these, these outs by uh, Ayuk. And and I think that that's where he likes to live. But in this game, they, they try to take some of that away. And I thought he didn't handle it well. I thought there were so many times in this game where there were checkdowns. There were easy throws over the middle that he could have completed for eight yards to get them closer, uh, possibly, you know, have a guy break something, do something special. But it was always, like, longer throws, longer throws. And it started to me almost like he was too locked in on that or he was too greedy. He was trying to get too much on one
3: play. Yeah, you kind of wonder because, like, we always kind of forget to with Brock I feel like. He's still a second-year quarterback. So you wonder if that's just things like growing pants for Brock. Like, it's okay to not go in for this big play. It's okay to take the check down right here It's to Jawan Jennings or to CMC and take what you get from there. You don't always have to take, like, the big play. Yeah, and it's not like he's not a long bomb guy. So, like, there is a,
2: an area that he lives in, which I think is a great area to live in. I, and I, I actually think it's one of the things that separates him as a quarterback. He's not always looking for the short, intermediate thing. And I, I think it helps the Niners because Kyle Shanahan's system, and realistically, if you check down all the time, then you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to have like 30 touches a game. And that's not good for anybody. Yeah, yeah. the more touches that guy's gets, sure, he's great, and he can go do more things with it. But also, you're talking about, you know, this is, we're 20 weeks in now. Like, you don't want this guy getting hit again and again and again because you're always checking down, and and here he is in space getting lit up by people. So I don't mind it so much. I wish he would go down the seam a little bit more to Kittle. And, you know, again, Kittle had a 1,000 yards, so it's not like he didn't do it. Uh, but I also think that In this game in particular, it felt like, man, just stop doing it. Like, take the safe route a couple of times. Get some confidence built. And, you know, he finishes 23 of 39, uh, 251 and a touch. But I think all of us, like, watching the game, there's a certain amount that now realize that you're in the Final Four and he's the fourth best quarterback.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think you can definitely say he's the fourth. Goff is better for sure right now. I mean, I think it... Because Purdy did have a like, Purdy did have a bad game, and I don't give like, and I was killing him a bit right here, but like he did have, like, I don't know, I'm not gonna, I don't know. I think I think they're about level right now. Okay, so but I, I see I see your point. Yeah, you could argue Purdy is the fourth best quarterback going into these games.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if, and if the argument isn't the fourth, it's you're like teetering on mm-hmm. the third, and and even still, if we go back a week, you still would have had him. I thought I might have had him as the fourth best, fifth best quarterback coming into this week. And now I feel like we're kind of in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of guys, you know, were knocked out, but, you know, he's still like not a guy who's elevated himself to a point. Uh, I think it's okay though. And I don't, I'd ask this question. We talk about the Niners window, right, Jesse? And when you're looking at the Niners window, I think we, we can look at it being like another two years, another three years before Kittle, you know, or... Even Debo, uh, but certainly you know Trent Williams, uh, Kyle Youcheck, like these guys that have been perennial all pros and pro ballers for you before they start to show their wear right or their age or they or they just stop playing football. Even Fred Warner, I think we can put into this category. Brock is is a young guy and he can be the quarterback of like multiple windows for the 49ers moving forward. but this particular window, it really is a little scary. It's a little scary to go into a window like this where you have a second-year quarterback who really isn't a full second-year quarterback, and then we can add other asterisks, like he's the final pick in the draft. He's not a first-round pick. He's the only first-round pick still around in the playoffs. I think all of these other guys are super top-tier first-round picks. And you, you just have this question mark about like where he can be. And, and I wonder if a safer bet wouldn't have been, you know, we heard like Kyle Shanahan told Brock Purdy very specifically like, yeah, it's going to be your starting job unless we sign Tom Brady. Yeah, it makes more sense now, doesn't it? Because you're like, Tom Brady's old, but Tom Brady knows exactly what he's doing in this situation. He's been here. He's had the experience and all that stuff. And Purdy's going to build his resume and get this experience. But at a certain time, you're wondering if he is the right quarterback at the right time for the Niners.
3: I, I don't worry about it too much because I think this was the plan all along. It's just the plan was for Trey Lance to be this guy instead of Brock Purdy. Like I think that's, that's a good it, point. Because if you look at it, like if Trey Lance, say Trey Lance works out, like we're going into the playoffs and it works out the way we expected, like they're going to the NFC Championship game with probably you could argue Trey Lance would be the second, third year quarterback. He'd probably be the third, fourth best quarterback going into it. So I don't worry about it too much just because I feel like like this was their plan. It's just now Brock Purdy is inserted into the equation instead of Trey Lance. Okay. So, like, they've kind of, like, this is what maybe they've they been expecting, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot. You are you have a lot riding on a young
3: quarterback's arm. Well, yeah, because the question has always been with Shanahan. Like, does he maximize the quarterback position? Because you do look, see, like, Jimmy Garoppolo and all. I think those quarterbacks... I don't I've never had an issue with how Kyle Shanahan runs his quarterback position just cuz he does win and I think that's all it that matters when it comes down to it but like there's always been the thing like you never you didn't trade for Matt Stafford. You didn't go out and sign Tom Brady like with with this team that you have like did you did you go out and get the most talent you could? Yeah, but at the same time and
2: I, I mean he's he's been a a bridesmaid not a bride again and again. I mean this is how many times have they been in the NFC championship game now? This is This number four out of the last five or six years, right? Buddy,
3: let me tell you, if they lost yesterday, we would have been talking. Uh yeah.
2: If they lost yesterday, I, the the entire show would be on whether uh Kyle Shanahan should still be the head coach of the 49ers moving forward. And people can act crazy, but I, I would just like repeat in Kyle Shanahan's ear what he said to Brock Purdy. You know, if it's if it's not Tom Brady, it's you, uh if it's not Bill Belichick, it's you coming back.
3: Yeah, because like Shanahan, we'll say right now, he's top five coach in the league and all that, but we do need you to, like, it's finally to finally. You got to do it finally. Like, well, Go a, out and win the big game.
2: He's the top five co- uh, coach in the league, but the number one is available. Yeah. And, and that's tough, right? So, like, the Niners have to get over the hump at some point. And if they don't, this conversation shifts. And if it would have been this last week, it really, really would have shifted. Oh, yeah. It would, would have got ugly. It, it would have been a really interesting – and I'm not saying they were going to fire him, but you have to at least consider it. Like, this is something that happens in professional sports.
3: You have a coach that can get you there but can't get you over the hump. Well, yeah, it's just like um, you've been saying with the Kings, like you plateau at some point where it's just you're not – um. You're not getting any better. You just keep hitting the same spot, kind of like with the Bills and the divisional round and all that. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I and I think at some point it's it has to be examined. Like you can't just keep giving a, a guy a free pass because he gets you there. That's not what this is about. You know, at some point you you have a team that's built to win, and we've talked about it like a bunch of times. It, it, a team filled with all pros, filled with Pro Bowlers. You got Hall of Famers on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how you have to start looking at it. Like, how many Hall of Famers are are on this squad right now? Guys that will, you know, be future Hall of Famers. And uh, at some point, the coach has got to get you over the hump. And I, I think that's the biggest thing. We, we want to examine Brock Purdy and just throw Brock Purdy under the bus all the time because you didn't come through in the clutch. But he's playing for the
3: coach that's... Oh, for 30. Yeah, I had my eye on Kyle Shanahan probably more than I did Brock Purdy in that one. Like, Brock Purdy, young quarterback. You see, you know, sometimes you can have a bad game. It happens. Kyle Shanahan yesterday, I mean, we're all watching this game. 49er fans, too. Like, how come you're not running the ball? Just kind of like, almost like Shanahan was outsmarting himself yesterday. Yeah. There are times where I feel
2: that he does, uh, he does outsmart himself a little bit. Um, the picks that didn't happen. Where are you at with that? Do you think that uh, how, how much do
3: we look into the mistakes that he made in those situations? I mean, the picks that didn't happen—you kind of—I don't put too much stock into those. It's more so, what did you do after those? Like, are you still are you still are you still playing poorly, or did you pick yourself up after those? Because it's either like, okay, he just had a couple of bad throws, or it's now he's having a bad game. So, like, the picks itself, like the the drop ones, like it's fine. But I think after the biggest the biggest issue was that he still wasn't necessarily hitting the throws he needed to. Okay. Um, I I thought like I think the
2: sort of the baseline for him like I think a lot of people want to question Brock Purdy and I don't know how he gets through that and and maybe it's that he wins a Super Bowl but if he wins a Super Bowl you know what's the chance that Christian McCaffrey is a guy who's hoisting the MVP trophy and not him and maybe that's what it is like He's a guy who had MVP numbers, who is no longer in the MVP discussion because of his performance against Baltimore late in the season where clearly Lamar Jackson separated himself. But even if he would have won an MVP, I think there are a lot of people out there who would have put like a giant asterisk next to it. They don't feel like he's the guy. And I'm not sure how you shake that. um, But I, I certainly think like winning this next week, you could go a long ways towards shaking that. Winning the week after, of course, would be the ultimate. But I still, I,
3: I don't even know if that would be the case unless he just becomes that guy in that game. I wonder how much of it is like us being greedy too. Cause I think, you look at Brock Purdy and the way he plays quarterback, I think he is a guy who is always going to give you a high, a high floor as far as what kind of team you can be. Like you take away his weapons on the 49ers and give him like average, um, Average receivers, decent running back. No, I think he'll still have you competing where you'll be near five hundred team, but you give him all this on the 49ers, yeah, he'll have you near the Super Bowl and all that. But I think like I think looking at it, like the question is with Brock right now is just is he good enough to get you to the Super Bowl? And I think if you can say yes to that, then I think you should be pretty comfortable with what he is right now. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I do, I feel I feel comfortable who
2: he is. I, I think a lot of people on the outside don't. And and as far as the team, it sure does feel like the team thinks he's the guy. Like, his, his moxie, his ability to
3: own a locker room and all that stuff, it seems like it's pretty high. Uh, and I mean, we saw just last season after a few games, even George Kittle was out there like, yeah, Brock's our guy, Brock's our guy. So, yeah, they have a big belief in him. Yeah, they do. So um, he struggled to find uh, Brandon Ayuk.
2: That's going to be something that teams are going to do. They're going to try to take away, especially if Debo can't play in the NFC Championship game. I don't think we know yet what exactly the prognosis is. Uh, but there is a shot for him to play next weekend. If he can't, is that one of the keys to to stopping the Niners? Is if you can take away Ayuk, does it make Brock Purdy make other poor decisions?
3: Yeah, because I like the other side with these quarterbacks, where it's like, because Brock Purdy is not, um, he's not Justin Herbert, he's not Patrick Mahomes, he's not these guys who are just these physically gifted quarterbacks who can just you know change the game on their own. Like there is an aspect of the other side of Brock Purdy. It's like, okay, if we take away your top. Well, top two receivers, one is injured, then we're taking away Brandon Ayuk. Like, what can you do? Can you beat us? I think there's an aspect where we're still kind of like, mm, I don't know yet.
2: Yeah, and that aspect. Like, kind of where
3: you you, all right, you need to be a quarterback right now. Yeah. And, and take over.
2: I think early in the season, I kept pointing out, he just doesn't throw to anyone else. Like, that's, that's a problem. You know, like, when I'm doing my, like, weekend reviews for the Kings, and every single game, I, I, I'm I going back through the box and I'm matching what I remember and I'm matching my six quick thoughts and I'm I'm looking at the players and it feels like every single game, it's Fox, it's Sabonis, it's Keegan Murray, and it's Malik Monk. Yeah, it's always four guys. Now we have Kevin Herter's kind of stepped in, right? And and that gives the Kings like this other element that, that makes them really dangerous. But with the 49ers, if it's only Kittle and, and Ayuk and uh, McCaffrey and uh, Debo, and he hasn't brought along some of these other guys for the ride. He he doesn't find check enough. He doesn't look uh Juwan Jennings enough. He doesn't, you know, Chris Connolly has this amazing catch in this game. Uh, well, I don't know if he can catch. It was, it it was, was a just, big time. It was a big time catch. It was, it, I mean, he held on to it. It, uh, it was where, a big moment, yeah. Yeah, it was a big moment catch, but it was an easy catch. And I thought, like, I already threw a perfect ball. It was an incredible pass. So I don't like even that aspect of it. Like, does he have Herbert's like long like ability to go super super deep? No, but to be honest with you, he's a better he's been a better quarterback this this year than Herbert was before he got hurt or anything else. Like, he is a guy that has the ability to make his weapons her, But I just wonder if if he's like pigeonholed himself into these four wide receivers or these four uh, pass catchers. And by not expanding that and not growing that throughout the season, now he gets to a situation where one of them might not be there and one of them could get taken away
3: from you. Now you're going to have this issue of, like, okay, where do I go? It's possible. They take away your safety blanket. Like, what are you going to do without it? But um, we'll see. I don't worry about it too much just because... I mean, you can only, the thing with the 49ers offense, you can only scheme up so much when you're a defense. Like, okay, we're going to take a run at Ayuk. Like, he still does have Kittle. He still have um, McCaffrey coming out the backfield. So I think, I think they'll be fine as far. I don't think it'll be a big issue if Debo can't go next week, if they're um, doubling Ayuk or whatnot. I think he'll be fine. Okay. I think it's interesting, though. I but mean, it, it, it is an unknown, though, just because we haven't seen it. It's kind of, kind of like I said, like that thing where, all right, we need you to go be a quarterback now. Go get Jawan Jennings um, the ball six times or whatever because they're taking Ayuk away or find someone else. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. The one time that we saw McCaffrey go down right before halftime with the cap
2: injury, um, that's the game where he started finding use check out of the backfield. And it's like, okay, I, I get where I, I see how you can do this, but I would like to see it more often where you're not forcing it into one of these four players all the time and you're actually expanding and trying to look for other guys. And, and maybe it's not fair. Maybe those guys aren't on the field ne- nearly enough. But with, like, Jawan Jennings in particular, Jawan, like, he's a good wide receiver. You probably should have found ways to get him the ball more this season, not just, like, really, really spot duty and try to get him involved uh, and not just use him as, like, a a blocker on some plays. Um, But I don't know. I I think it's a a little, at this point, it's a little late. Yeah, it's a little
3: late, but it's also, like, who are you going to take those targets from, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I, I get you. You're like, I don't want Ronnie Bell out there running, like, a whole bunch of routes. Uh, but, again, I, I think it, it was big that he was able to find some of these other guys in a crucial moment. He was able to find Jennings. He was able to find uh Chris Connolly on that on that really nice out. Um, What do you think? Uh, we've seen this kid play for um a season in, what, nine games, right? So I, I don't know if he's at, like, 27, 28 games.
3: Was this a signature game? Or do you still not feel that because it was ugly? It, I, I don't want to call it a signature game. Like this wasn't a Brock Purdy game. Like this was a game. And two, like I'm not like jumping out with like I, I think Brock Purdy is a good. I thought Brock Purdy was a good quarterback going into this game. I think he's a good quarterback going out of it. I think this game, I'm not making too much. I think he's a he's a guy who had a bad game, and he's also a guy who um, fixed his fixed his mistakes with the um, with the last drive. Like I think like my my thoughts on Brock Purdy didn't change after this game going into it, or yeah, coming out of it. Okay. I would I would say this too. Like if we look at
2: him versus Love, do you think that we we give? I mean, clearly Love is the reason why the Packers are there. Where you you don't say that with Purdy at all because of the other weapons. But then once you get there, and Love has had years to be an understudy under, like whether you like him or not, a first ballot Hall of Fame, incredible, multi-time MVP. Super Bowl-winning quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He ha- he's he been an understudy. He's learned, just like Rodgers did, how to be an NFL quarterback, how to be developed. He's been primed for this situation forever. And here we have Brock Purdy win the game
3: and and realistically love lose the game. I mean, he lost the game. Yeah, they- there was drives in the first half where they didn't finish, get into the red zone. I mean, I think... I think Jordan Love did have the better game between the two quarterbacks. But I do think a, a, um something people do with Love compared to Brock Purdy is we're still stuck on what a quarterback looks like as far as like the big arms and all that. And um what what, what you can do. I think with Brock Purdy, he's always gonna get the just kind of like, ah, oh, what's well, the guys around him? Because like he's not he's not the flashiest type of quarterback, you know? I get that, but I think I think he's just understated. I don't know. I and it, it's for me it's like an eye testing, I think. Okay. Like, I think that's what it is for people like they see like you see the big throws and Jordan love like making guys like like I don't want to say making them look good like like christian Watson's a fine receiver, but just you know the no name receivers out there and they're going to the playoffs and um Jordan loves putting up numbers with these guys. I think just eye tests and all that stuff it wrapped into it like they just people like that better
2: okay all right i, I I'm looking at Jordan Love's stats. he's twenty one of thirty four for 194 yards two touchdowns, two picks. And then I look at Brock Purdy's stats. He's 23 of 39, so two more completions but on five more attempts. 252 yards. He, you know, beats him by, like, 58 yards. One touchdown, zero interceptions. Uh, He doesn't fumble the ball. Jordan Love did have a fumble, although it was recovered. Uh, He did get sacked once where Jordan Love did not get sacked, but, again, I'm going to put that on the Niners' defensive line more than I am. Brock Purdy making a mistake there. But for me, I I think everyone comes out of that game saying that Jordan Love had the better game. And I would make the argument that he didn't. I, I like you when, read off the numbers right there, yeah.
3: It doesn't sound like it.
2: Yeah, when the push when push came to shove, like Purdy got the job done and Jordan Love didn't. Jordan Love is the one who threw across his body where he shouldn't have, who who got a, a crucial ball intercepted what on first or second down it was yeah it might have been yeah first or second they had a couple of timeouts too I think right well that and all they needed was a field goal to tie it yeah. like he didn't need to go 65 yards for a touchdown he needed to do the smart play and and again that the difference that I would say is that you know Jordan Love man, he's 25 years old like but he's been in the league a long time like at this point and I mean not forever but you know, he has been in the league long enough, the 2020 NFL draft, he should have been more primed and ready for this. And I think we, we get in this mode of taking away from what Brock Purdy's done for some weird reason. And at the end of the day, he's a guy who now is, uh, he's three and one in the playoffs. And the one loss he, he played barely at all. And it tore was his, for a minute. He Yeah, he tore his elbow out. You know, and then we, we go to a guy like, you know Dak Prescott, who has two wins in his career in the playoffs, and now Brock Purdy has more wins than Dak Prescott. And has and Dak's been in the league what nine years? And
3: so I, like, I think I, what, I think what plays into it too is just the like expectations and narratives going into that game, the Niners and Packers game. You weren't expecting it to be close at all. What so. would what would change your uh, your narrative on Brock Purdy at this point? I mean, like like I said, like I don't think Brock Purdy's a bad. I think he's a good quarterback as it is. I mean, I don't I, like. I think maybe if he goes into a game and he's throwing like maybe two, two like two fifty, no, like the we'll, we'll say the the dropped ints, the bad passes, less of those, I guess, would help. But like honestly, they're like, going into like I thought he was a good quarterback coming out of, he's a good quarterback. Honestly, I think it's just a bad game he had, and he and he cleaned it up after with the with the last drive. Okay, I I think I think honestly, like for people in the narratives, like either right now you think Brock's a good quarterback or you're just waiting to see. Kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. Like it's either either he wins a Super Bowl or I was right. I think is what people are at right now.
2: Hmm. That's it. That's a good way to put it.
3: It's kind of it's, yeah. It's kind of like a, at an extrat at an extreme right now. I'm really
2: I'm really intrigued to like twelve years from now, fifteen years from now, to see where Brock Purdy went. You know, like if we had the uh, the ability to flash forward and and see where he goes, because I I mean I don't care about the whether he has the ultimate arm strength. I have never once thought that he didn't have enough arm strength. Like there is not a throw he can't make. Like maybe he doesn't throw the crazy deep ball, but that's also not the 49ers offense. So yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to see that moment where it really does come into play like where he's limited. Because I think he moves around well enough. He doesn't take a bunch of sacks. He usually makes good decisions. On occasion he makes some shoddy shoddy plays, but again, he's a young quarterback who's trying to figure out his way in the league, and it's not like he he's a, a guy who came in, who played at the highest of the highest of the highest levels at the college level, and knows exactly how to get through all of these, you know,
3: knows how to step up his
2: game to the next level, so I'm intrigued.
3: Yeah, because looking at Brock Purdy, too, like, I think a lot of us get too focused on the quarterback. Like, leaving yesterday's game, I was more, like, Kyle Shannon, I think, could have Fix that up by running the ball more. Like there was things Kyle Shanahan could have do could have did yesterday to protect like the game Brock was having. You know. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't just
3: the Brock Purdy like thing. You know.
2: Well, that and he threw 39 passes.
3: Exactly. I mean,
2: he probably like in a perfect world that probably is about 10 passes too high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna step away when when we come back. Uh, Jesse and I are gonna jump into this Kings and Hawks battle that's gonna happen Monday night at Golden One Center. And uh, lots of little stuff around the league, some trade rumors, some things like that. Nothing regarding the Sacramento Kings. We're going to hit that after the break. You're listening to The Insiders, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.